Welcome to Betrayal Trauma SOS. I'm Jenny Brockbank, and I share my own journey of betrayal and healing from my husband's sex addiction, along with many resources so that others can find their own recovery fit. Dear friend, you aren't alone. Your emotions or lack of emotions is normal, and there are so many tools for healing. The tool we are discussing today is boundaries. When I grasped and implemented boundaries, my life changed. Maybe yours will too. Let's heal together. So grateful to have you join me today. I want to let you know that this isn't therapy and I'm not a therapist. I highly recommend finding competent professionals in your situation. As always, I source everything that I use and links to those sources can be found at the bottom of each episode description and at BetrayalTraumaSOS.com. This episode is source-rich, and I encourage you to explore boundaries in greater depth than what we can cover today. While a few things in today's episode on boundaries are geared towards spouses who are married to someone that struggles with a sex addiction, most of what we are discussing is applicable to other addictions as well. I've drawn from several sources for today's episode, as I don't subscribe completely to any one source on this subject. I'm presenting insights or have been influenced from 12-step work therapy, yoga therapy, individuals, a Christian minister, and more. Because of the drastic difference that boundaries have made in my life, I've wanted to share this message from day one, but have been prayerful and intentional about the timing. Boundaries. Oh, how they have changed my life. Let me tell you about my life before boundaries. When I first started group therapy, I had an assignment to draw my codependent self. That picture that I drew was me as a floor mat that everyone walked all over. I felt used, abused, and taken advantage of. Does anyone in my audience relate with this? Can I get an amen? I want to interject a side note that the entire codependent model does not ring true to me. Moving on, though, this lack of boundaries played out in every area of my life, but was most destructive in my marriage with a spouse who struggles with sex addiction. Addiction hates boundaries. I'll give an example. My husband, who is thankfully working recovery right now, is most often angry when he is actively engaged in his addiction. He would yell regarding things that made no sense, and I would employ various tactics to combat this. I might say, don't talk to me that way, or I might fight fire with fire, so to speak. For many, many years, I unsuccessfully combated his yelling by attempting to keep our six children quiet when he was home. I encouraged everyone to walk on eggshells around him in an attempt to avoid the issue altogether. None of this, of course, worked. What did work was the proper use of boundaries. When I'm employing boundaries, I don't need to yell, shrink, threaten, or shame. I recognize my worth, and I recognize the worth of others as well. Before I could begin implementing boundaries effectively, I needed a groundwork set up. The first thing that I needed was a rock-solid personal understanding that God uses boundaries. This next quote has something specific to my religion, and if any of it is not a good fit, take what you like and leave the rest. A pivotal time for my understanding and boundaries came when I was sitting in an ARP meeting, which is Addiction Recovery Program, run by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
We were working on step eight, which is about boundaries, as we read this following passage, quote, The gospel teaches us a pattern of our Father providing commandments and then allowing consequences for disobedience. For example, the scriptures teach us that if we disobey the commandments, we cannot have the Spirit as our constant companion. See Mosiah 2.36. In our lives, setting limits on our loved one's bad behavior reminds us that we are worth being loved and respected. Our loved ones need to understand that our boundaries are about our obligation to keep the second great commandment of loving ourselves as well as our neighbors. See Matthew 22.39. Close quote. I had a clear and personal realization during that meeting that God uses boundaries. I remember thinking, if God uses boundaries, so can I. I'm in. I became a sponge with the subject of boundaries, and they have become an integral part of my life. I am still learning more about how to apply them personally. On the subject of God using boundaries, Real Ann Croshaw, who is the founder of SA Lifeline, said in her book, What Can I Do About Me? Quote, God sets boundaries. They are called commandments. They are for our safety and well-being. He gives them to us for our protection because He loves us. They are not to punish us, but to invite us to come closer to Him. In that same manner as we set boundaries, we invite others close, and as a result foster more intimate relationships. It is a wonderful paradox. Close quote. Boundaries in marriage were particularly foreign to me. After all, I thought, are we not to cleave to one another as Adam and Eve were commanded? I came to see that we are supposed to cleave to one another and our covenants, but we do so individually and of our own free will and choice. Identity is critical in this process, and who we are as individuals matters very much to God. It is not humility, as I once supposed, to lose our identity. We are wonderfully and individually made. It's important to recognize our individuality for many reasons, but in the case of boundaries, it is easy to absorb the emotions of others, and that can make it hard to function at a good level. In the book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, Rhythms of Grace to De-Stress and Live Empowered, by Bill Gaultier, he says, quote, They don't know how to be happy if their loved one is grumpy or to be at peace if their loved one is stressed. They haven't learned to maintain a separate sense of self and personal well-being in the context of their relationships. Close quote. I had definitely lost my identity and sense of self. Simple questions like where I wanted to eat and what my choice of a movie were sacrificed for others consistently for more than a decade and a half. I thought I was being generous, but in truth, I was losing my identity. Coming to know who I was as an individual became a critical first step in creating boundaries for me. If you struggle with knowing your worth and the value of being you, episode 7 titled I Am Sacred of the Betrayal Trauma SOS podcast might be a great place to start. Another critical thing that I needed was community. Boundaries often take a great deal of courage to implement, particularly when the stakes are so high like they were for my marriage. To have people further ahead of me in recovery and therapists as well to evaluate if there were holes in my boundaries or maybe inappropriate elements of control or perhaps that they needed to be stronger, for instance, was 
invaluable. This idea is also presented in the book Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. As they say, quote, You need to depend on others to help you set and keep boundaries. People subject to another person's addictions, control, or abuse are finding that after years and years of loving too much, they can find the ability to create boundaries only through a support group. Their support system is giving them the strength to say no to abuse and control for the first time in their lives. Close quote. I also needed the understanding that this was a rescue mission. I was personally needing to be rescued, and my husband needed to be offered his own life preserver. If he chose to embrace recovery, then our marriage stood the chance to be rescued as well. The tools that I had previously employed were not effective in the long run, and in no case had they rescued any of us. But boundaries gave us as individuals and our marriage an opportunity to find healing. Again from the book Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend, quote, How many marriages could have been saved if one spouse had followed through with the threat of, if you don't stop drinking, or come home at midnight, or hitting me, or yelling at the kids, I will leave until you get some treatment, close quote. I am not saying that separation is the right boundary for everyone, but when I have shifted my view to boundaries being part of a rescue mission, it has empowered me to take scary, yet necessary steps with the Lord. The concept that my marriage might be saved by implementing boundaries was empowering, and using boundaries has proven to be the saving grace in my marriage. So what are boundaries? In short, Boundaries are what we will allow and what we won't allow. From the book Beyond Breath by Soraya Bastian, which is used in her prana yoga course, she gives a wonderful explanation. Quote, Boundaries are there to keep you safe. Boundaries are not an expectation of how someone else needs to act for you to feel safe. Boundaries are not a punishment for someone's actions. You are not God. Boundaries are not to control or manipulate a situation. Boundaries are there to keep you safe. Close quote. If boundaries are used to keep us safe, it is critical that we become aware of what makes us feel unsafe. Identifying safety issues allows us to place protections with boundaries. Boundaries are only about what we will do. For instance, after learning about boundaries when my husband would yell, I stopped participating in the conversation. Sometimes I left the room, or we would even sleep apart at times. Finally, I had power over my own safety regarding his yelling. It was relieving. I do want to insert something here. Boundaries are about what we will do. However, in the case of addiction, I often need my own space as I feel incredibly violated. In those instances, I will ask my husband to sleep somewhere else. I cannot control if he will honor that request but I do ask it of him. This has been a gift in my life, and I was taught the concept by a dear friend. Perhaps that's a good fit for you, and perhaps not. When I first began recovery, I learned a very helpful analogy, the house analogy. If you've been in recovery for any amount of time, you might have heard it, but I'll relate it just in case. I plan to put just this next portion on YouTube later this week. To jazz it up a little bit, let's add some music. Imagine that someone comes to visit your home. Where would you feel comfortable talking with this person? 
Maybe they are a front porch visitor and you might stand in the entryway while they stay outside. Maybe you feel comfortable with them chatting in your living room. Perhaps this is a good enough friend that you might invite them to help you prepare dinner as you hold a discussion in your kitchen. And maybe you feel comfortable having a private conversation with them in your bedroom. Sometimes it's helpful to evaluate the depth of a relationship that you are comfortable with with someone. If the relationship is only a front porch one, then maybe evaluate what you would share with someone on your front porch. And if you would chat with them in your kitchen, what elements of a relationship would you feel comfortable with there? What would you keep out? Where does this person belong in your home? How can you honor that? How can you honor yourself? Of course, it's totally okay if you're most comfortable waving at them from a mountaintop. Sometimes I'll evaluate my relationships based on this house model. When I think about a particular person and think how safe I feel with them, it helps me to evaluate where we are exactly, how safe I feel. This helps me to know what boundaries to use in that relationship. It doesn't mean that that relationship has to stay in that state. Certainly, it can evolve into something better, but honoring where it is shows love for myself and actually for the other person as well. My best boundaries are made with God. He knows so much more than I do, so to work boundaries through with Him as my primary source is a gift. I'll give an example of what this looked like for me. A while ago, I could feel that something was off with my husband. I had no tangible proof that he was acting out with his addiction, but something was definitely wrong. In marriage therapy, he was insistent that he had not acted out and he was doing some kind things. So I was confused. I didn't know what to do. It took effort in prayer and direction in scripture study, but I finally learned with God that I was not safe from my husband's addiction at that time. After consulting God in prayer, I set firm boundaries and we did a therapeutic in-house separation. I'm grateful that my husband eventually confessed that he had relapsed in his addiction. At that time, he recommitted to an honest recovery. If he had not, however, I could have honored myself by maintaining those boundaries and increasing them if necessary. I was at a point where I was willing to let my husband make a choice to live in addiction or to participate in our family. For me, living with addiction in my home is no life, and when God is my center, I can better ensure that boundaries are properly used. I also make better boundaries when they are personally tailored. The more specific I can be with what I'm feeling unsafe about, the more tailored and effective my boundaries have been. I'll give an example of a time when this was effective. As my friend and I were walking one day, she listened as I explained how rude my husband had been on our last date. She slowed her pace, looking thoughtful, and I slowed with her. I was curious as to what was going through her mind. What? I asked. She eventually said, 
I'm just wondering why you are still going on dates with him. That shocked me for a second. I thought, well, that's the counsel I've heard for years and years at church and in my family. You date your spouse weekly. It was a concreted rule that I was rather stuck to. Would I dare go against it? The thought came to my mind from the Boundaries book that I quoted from earlier that I am hoping to save my marriage. Not dating him was certainly a step before a separation. So I stepped out of my self-made box, prayed for personal guidance, and I told my husband that I didn't feel safe going on dates with him or having him open my doors, as he was so good at doing. My husband was shocked at first, and I came to learn that he thought that he was doing much better in his recovery than he realized, because he was faithful at dating me weekly and was consistent about opening my doors. I came to see that what made me not safe was his false sense of accomplishment in recovery. My husband did wake up from this experience. He actively works to treat me in kinder ways and is much quicker to correct when he forgets. This example of a boundary is incredibly individual and might not apply to anyone else who might be listening, but I am hoping to show what can happen when boundaries are personalized. When we find the source of the unsafety, we can tailor better boundaries. Something else to understand is the difference between firm boundaries versus fluid boundaries. Boundaries in the beginning of recovery are often firm. It's scary to make them, and it's hard to tell what we exactly need. It often takes time to recognize what our spouse looks like in addict mode. I think that this is particularly true of sex addiction and likely addictions such as gambling, because so many other addictions have telltale signs. Signs like smelling alcohol on the breath, dilated pupils, or track marks from needles. Coming to know the signs of addiction in our loved ones is part of the process of setting good boundaries. Sometimes, something that helps with this is intuition, and if you'd like to hear more about intuition and ways to strengthen it, Episode 8 of the Betrayal Trauma SOS podcast discusses that in greater depth. I remember setting boundaries like, if blank happens, then I will need to sleep apart for two weeks. I needed the firmness in the beginning as it took time to gain the experience in understanding addiction. However, I'm grateful to say that that evolves. When we gain greater clarity about what our loved one looks like in addiction, along with what our needs for safety are, our boundaries can sometimes shift to be more fluid. Firm versus fluid boundaries are described well by my friend's experience. I've gained her permission to tell you this and thank her greatly for letting me do so. In the beginning of recovery, my friend made the boundary that if her husband slipped with his addiction, they would go for at least one week before touching, which included hand-holding or even thinking about sex. After a couple of years of recovery, which included lots of therapy, she felt comfortable changing this boundary. She says, quote, But now if he has a slip, we don't have the set week rule. I have the tools and skills now to check in better with how I'm feeling. Luckily, slips are a lot less frequent, but when they do happen, if he is sincere and honest, I'm okay with him holding me, hugging me, etc., anything in a non-sexual manner within a few days. Sometimes, feeling okay with sex takes a bit longer than a week, but I totally wait until I'm feeling safe again and he's in a healthy place. Close quote. In Beyond Breath by Soraya Bastian, she says this, quote, 
My good friend once stated her boundaries to me, and I stand by them to this day. If I feel safe, I will choose to be close to you. If I don't, I won't. Close quote. I too have made a similar shift towards fluidity and boundaries, and it is freeing. When we can see boundaries as an evolving and individual process, we give ourselves grace and compassion as we learn and adjust. Along these lines, again from the book Beyond Breath by Soraya Bastian, she tells a powerful story. It's a story about a woman named Cicely who was going through a long divorce from her husband. Cicely continually wondered what she could do to save her marriage and if perhaps visiting a different therapist would help or if maybe she changed something in herself her marriage could be saved. One night after a connecting conversation, she and her husband slept together and the following morning, his response went as follows. And I'll quote now from Beyond Breath, quote, If we are going to make this marriage work, I need to make sure you can give me what I need. Cicely called me in a panic. What have I done? I am so stupid for sleeping with him. My response, no, Cicely, how brave. You felt close and safe. You let your body speak and you listened. You dissolved the 100 by 100 foot boundary and you moved. Close quote. What Cicely had perceived as a failure in her boundaries was exactly the tool that she needed to make better decisions. She needed more knowledge, and she gained it this way. Boundaries are hard to figure out, and when we can treat ourselves with compassion as we learn and adjust, the process is more gentle. Something else that is helpful is discussed in the Al-Anon 12-step program. It is a concept that I appreciate, where we detach with love. When we detach, we can surrender outcomes, not take ownership for others' mistakes, and more. When I can detach with love, I do so with a softer heart. I can still be firm in my boundaries, but I can state them from a loving place, and my spirit is not compromised by hardness. If I am understanding the copyright, though, I can't quote the Al-Anon literature to you. However, in the episode notes, I will put a link to an Al-Anon document regarding detachment. As I mentioned earlier, addiction hates boundaries, so if you receive pushback, Just know that this is normal. It can also be painful and scary to receive pushback. For me, having a supportive community was critical in getting through the period where my husband would push back on boundaries. When I do the work to set a boundary that I feel good about and check it out with heaven, I can stand strong in the face of this type of opposition. It helps me remember the greater good for everyone, including my husband, and has proven beneficial in these instances. One recovery friend told me that when she started implementing boundaries, it's like she had a fence. Her husband would find a hole in her fence, and she would plug up that hole, and then he'd find another hole, and he'd stick his head over in this one area, and she'd have to fix that issue. This resonates with my experience as well. Again, addiction hates boundaries. From the Addiction Recovery Program Step 8, we learn, quote, We should anticipate that our boundaries will be challenged and that consequences will need to be enforced. But we can also keep in mind that mistakes are learning opportunities. Close quote. One final thought about boundaries for today stems from the Rise Up Restored podcast, Episode 8, which features an interview with Real Ann Croshaw, whose book I quoted from earlier. This was a phenomenal episode that I highly recommend listening to. 
in it, she talks about putting a boundary around disconnect. I had never heard it worded in the context of putting a boundary on the disconnect, but something clicked for me. Addiction is a disease of disconnect. Therefore, it makes a great deal of sense to have a boundary around the cause of the disease. If your spouse struggles with addiction, then you are likely familiar with disconnect. Disconnect can look different for every individual. I will state that one sexual boundary that my husband and I have around disconnect is this. If we aren't emotionally connected, then there's no sex until that's repaired. I have also chosen to not go with my husband to various events if disconnect is present in our relationship. Figuring out where disconnect exists and creating safety with boundaries has proven a great gift in my life. I'm still looking for ways to improve those boundaries. I appreciate you being here today. Delving deep into boundaries has helped me reevaluate some of my own. I hope that you gained something as well. Remember that I draw a winner for the Betrayal Trauma SOS First Aid Kit May 19th of 2020. It includes a super soft blanket, a candle, and even chocolate. You can enter to win on Facebook, and I'll announce that winner on Facebook that day. Betrayal Trauma SOS is found on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. I also welcome you to join Betrayal Trauma SOS on Instagram, Facebook, BetrayalTraumaSOS.com, and some content is also found on YouTube. Betrayal Trauma SOS. Let's heal together.